When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, my co-host, Matt, is here with me. The New York Jets coming off of a win, snapping a losing streak with a very surprising, very uh, encouraging 30-6 to win against the Houston Texans. Zach Wilson having the best game of his professional career in his return to the lineup, winning AFC Offensive Player of the Week, 301 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Jets win 30-6. to um, Matt, we had talked a lot for weeks beforehand about the struggles with this offense, why it wasn't necessarily all Zach Wilson's fault and why going to a different quarterback, given what they had remaining on the roster, probably wasn't going to make things any better and would most likely make things worse. Well, we saw the Jets go to Tim Boyle for a period of time. Things did get worse. And now back to Zach Wilson, despite some reports in the media that we covered that I still think are most likely have any uh, some amount of a vein of truth to them. Zach Wilson goes out and plays a a really, really good game of football and the Jets win big. What does this do for the team going forward over these last four weeks? And and what does this do for kind of the mood overall in that locker room after things had been so bad? Um, I don't think anything changes right now. I'm not changing Anyway, I'm thinking I'm not diving first into that hope puddle uh, because I, I until things like have some kind of consistent change, uh, I'm not going to be convinced that anything changed. Yeah, it, finally, they had uh, a game plan that kind of resembled what we've been calling for this entire time, where they started to prioritize the past and really got him in, made a a priority to get him in a rhythm. And this is something that was just so easy to do so much earlier. So I, I can't tell if they're just, you know, purposely uh, trying to sabotage us or if they're just that clueless as to what they could have done to really get this offense moving so much earlier. Uh, and I think it's the latter. I think they're just kind of clueless and stubborn. 
So that makes me feel like it's not very likely that it's going to be something consistent, that it's going to be a kind of a flash in the pan, because I, I don't trust them to do the right thing over and over again. So I'm going to uh, just kind of side with the, the feeling that in the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to revert back to what we were seeing pretty much the entire season, where they're going to try and set up the pass with the run, run into a brick wall probably about 10 times, and maybe get a good run on one. And then it's just going to be that over and over again, and then Zach's going to be behind the sticks on third downs, and it's going to be a lot harder uh, against a, a, a better team. Uh, or actually, not really a better team, but I mean, a, a good team like the Dolphins. Uh, so, um, there's a little hope out there, but I don't think we should be buying into it at all. Yeah. You had mentioned the, the inconsistency and finally starting to do some things that we've been calling for that worked. And I think it's important that we specifically address what those things were, because I do think that there is a chance that this could be replicated. I don't know if it'll be this week against Miami. And I don't know how much more often it could happen, but I do think that if given the opportunity that we could possibly see some of the same results to your point, Matt, the question is, will they actually put that into the game plan? Will Nathaniel Hackett actually take the results from this week and see the success? And really, when you look at it, the results of the second half, uh, this game was tied 0-0 at halftime. Zach Wilson had 92 yards passing at the half and threw for 301 on the day. They scored all their points in the second half. They pretty much did all of their offense in the second half, for the most part. Looking at what happened in that second half, not just passing on early downs, I think the important part was play action on early downs. Play action on first down. We would see the Jets get into a 21 personnel, two running backs and Bowden in the backfield at fullback. We would see 12 personnel with two tight ends and you'd have Garrett and Gibson as the two receivers. We saw heavier looks that would make a defense like we've seen weeks on end think a run is coming and it would be a play action pass and Zach would be able to scan and throw down the field. And the number one thing I think above all else, even maybe even more so than Zach Wilson himself being in the lineup, that was the difference for me in this game. The offensive line did a pretty solid job in pass protection, especially on play action. That That's the big difference for me, is when they were calling a pass play out of play action and the offensive line could make it seem like they're run blocking and not tr do traditional drop back pass sets, they held their own fairly well. There was more than a handful of opportunities for Zach Wilson passing the football where he doesn't have anybody within four yards of him. And it's a perfectly clean pocket, and he's able to scan and read and throw. First play of the game is uh, a pass from under center, backed up in their own end zone, deep out route to Garrett Wilson. And it's a long developing route because Garrett stems his route inside and starts getting up the field, kind of puts himself in poor leverage to where this is what really good receivers can do. And when you're somebody like Garrett Wilson, you can get away with this. You can put yourself in a leverage disadvantage and stem inside, give that corner the outside leverage, even though you're trying to go to the outside later in the route yourself to sell an inside breaking route, make it harder for that corner to flip his hips when you do cross his face and get open to the outside. It works, but it takes a little while to develop. 
Zach waited on it, knew that Garrett was going to get open, trusted his guy to win, and eventually he did. And it's a 15-yard play on first down on the first pass of the game. That doesn't happen if the offensive line doesn't give him time to wait for that route. And, and so I think it was a an improvement of a performance from the bottom of the barrel that we've seen. I still think they had a few struggles uh, when it comes to drop back pass game. Um, I don't care, Matt, and I want to get your opinion on this really quick. Uh, I, I don't care what the deal is. I don't want Mekhi Becton on this team next year. Hmm. Uh, he's he's I, I'm sorry. Uh, the dude has all the talent in the world and he just cannot figure out the technique and and the consistent ways to use that talent to his best advantage. We talked about it pre-draft with him. Um, post-draft as a rookie, you know, over and over going through this uh, type of player that he can be. He has the size, the length, the foot speed to where as an offensive tackle, you don't necessarily have to sell out to the edge and be perfectly keeping up with people going to the corner because you're so big and long, it takes people that much longer to get around you. The problem with Becton is that he he doesn't he takes that to heart too much and that he stops his feet when people go to the edge or he'll barely get any depth when he's going to the edge thing. I'm going to protect the inside and I'm just going to beat you to the edge and push you around the corner. Well, every pass rusher in the world knows that's coming and they know that if you just swat his hands immediately, he can't recover to the edge and you're going to run right past him. It, it happened two or three times in this game. It's happened two or three times a game, if not more, for a lot of weeks in a row now. And, and I'm just I'm glad that the offensive line was able to do what they needed to do overall in the play action game. Give Zach time for the most part. It wasn't a, a horrendous performance. But when they do drop back, that's when they have issues, and that's when Mekhi Becton really has issues. So here's my thought. Uh, I do want some kind of vet tackle on this team next, next year uh, because we, in, in addition to what, whatever we can do in the draft, but I, we need depth, especially at this tackle position, but not just depth, but trusted depth. And does Becton fit that mold uh, with what we're seeing this year? The answer would be no. Uh, but then you also have to factor in what does this tackle class look like in free agency? And it's also kind of meh. <laughs> so it's, we're kind of in a lose-lose situation here. There's like very few people that are kind of like serviceable starters that uh, I think most teams would, would be kind of uh, going after. Uh, and they're going to get paid because of the lack of talent that's, that's in this free agency class. So that's going to raise the price of everybody, including Becton. I feel like there's still going to be some kind of market for Becton, uh, whether it's just if teams think that it's just his first year back from the injury, which it could be, that maybe this is just him ramping up and then next year uh, he's just going to come out and be a completely different tackle. It's, it's possible. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it past him. He's, he's done a lot to get into shape and get ready for this year and did a lot to stay healthy as well. Uh, so uh, kudos to him for that. But uh, that's still yet to be seen. And that's still kind of a too much of a risk that I'm willing to take. Uh, so I would probably spend a little bit more uh, just to get average. Because what we what did we go into this season with as far as depth? Max Mitchell 
Carter Warren, who was uh, on the pup list, I believe. Uh, Edwayne Brown, who wasn't healthy. Uh, Turner, who's never really shown that he's a solid starter. So we didn't really have anything to begin with, <laughs> other than the hope that that people would grow, the hope that people would stay healthy, uh, and the hope that people would regain past glory. But that didn't really happen. <laughs> and the, the result is the catastrophe that is our offensive line this year. So I want to go into 2024 because there's so much hinging on that, on next year, uh, on having some kind of success. success. Uh, so we need to have more reliable talent out there. And I just, at this moment, I wouldn't take that risk with Beckton. Uh, that's basically the exact same boat I'm in. And that he has not shown enough for me this year to warrant the risk of paying him top starter money. And it's unlikely, given, like you said, the the quality of the free agent tackle class, that he is going to be, that the offers that he'll get other places won't clearly beat out a offer to come be a vet backup with the Jets. He'll get a starting offer from another team. If the Jets don't give it to him, another team will because the options are so limited and another team is going to do exactly what you said, which is, well, maybe it was just his first year off the injury. You know, we really liked him coming out of the draft. He's got all of this talent. We think if we can clean up the technique and, and if he's doing better with the knee and conditioning, you know, they'll talk themselves into it. And Mekhi Becton will get a $11 million, $12 million a year deal to go start a tackle for some team out there. And if it works for them, good for them. But that's a risk I don't want to take. And like you had mentioned again, Matt, consistent depth and reliable depth, even if this is a guy that comes back to potentially be a backup or a swing tackle or the number three guy who can play either side, whatever it ends up being. We've seen injuries pile up consistency consistently. He's been decently healthy this year, but still missed some time. Um, in the middle of the year, was able to come back. The conditioning has been good. We haven't seen too many issues about that, but we did see it become a bit of a problem before he got hurt and during the time of his recovery. So that's a question you'd have to worry about. And I'm going to call a spade a spade. Makai's reactionary. And how would we feel? How would he feel about not being able to start? Would he even be interested? Would he even be willing to do that? Would it be more trouble than it would be worth? So I'm, I'm really, I, I'm out as the easiest way that I can put it. And I know that's tough to, to say for the same reasons that we mentioned uh, in a different vein, there aren't many other options out there in the vet market. And we'd like to have some amount of consistent veteran depth. And I agree, but I would rather, I would rather take less of a talent for less money to be a backup or a swing tackle, et cetera, and use that money in other areas to maybe find a better starter of what is available and and get the one of the few top names or top options that you might be able to have or possibly work out a trade with another team and see if you can have some you know expendable pieces on your roster, maybe on the defensive line, and see if you can find a starting tackle that way. I'm I'm personally not in the vein that even 
if it maybe makes things harder in theory to go out and and find a replacement and find that depth, I think that's what you pay guys like Joe Douglas a lot of money to do. And you don't just take the easy route and say, well, he's already here. He knows the scheme. You know, we, we, we drafted him. We've seen some, some improvement and, you know, we think he can do it again. And so here's here, Makai, here's $13 million a year for three years to, to be the left tackle. And then it, Balls flat on on their faces. I, I'm just really worried about that. See, here's the one saving grace for this offseason and the tackle market is that this is also shaping up to be a very strong tackle class. Uh, so a lot very of teams strong. might be looking to let's get go younger. There's a lot of talent out there. Let's just mm. wait. So if that happens, if if that happens, then a lot of teams might not be as hungry for a free agent tackle and guys like Becton maybe don't get an offer until after the draft. Uh, I can see that happening as well. So it could go either way. It could either be inflated contracts left and right or very few contracts and in the kind of the waiting game. And if that happens, maybe we can get a little bit better than Becton for a better price. Um, who knows? It, it, there's a chance that that can happen. But either way, I we do need to improve, especially if it's just in the backup position, because it's likely that a backup will be needed at some point, uh, and maybe even a backup to the backup. So we need to have options that are solid. And right now, I just can't say that's back. No, I agree. Uh, I, I completely and totally agree. Um, if history is recent history, at least has shown us anything, the backup to the backup will almost certainly be getting time so that you better have the best view, the, the most reliable guys you can down the roster. Um, Cause otherwise it's going to be exactly what we've seen for two years in a row. Now uh, moving on, let's get to something a bit more positive. Um, I had mentioned that the big improvements first being play action, passing on early downs, the offensive line doing a good job of giving Zach time to throw and room to feel comfortable and get in a rhythm. But the number, the the second biggest, almost as important factor was Zach Wilson himself. Uh, This was the best game as a pro he's played. Uh, The only, consistently for the entirety of the game, from start to finish, the only other games that I can think of that would come close would be his rookie year against Tampa Bay and the game against Pittsburgh last year, his first game back from injury. And even that Pittsburgh game, it was really the fourth quarter more than anything else. It wasn't really the whole game. Um, Zach was confident. He was trusting in what he was seeing. He wasn't hesitant whatsoever. He was aggressive. He was willing to be aggressive. He wasn't scared of being aggressive. And what I really, really loved from, from him in this game was the fact that he had the ability to play in rhythm, that if something was there quick, early, he hit it didn't hesitate he didn't look for something better or pass up a check down that you know that gets open they have a second and 10 in the first half play action pass again Zach starts looking downfield nothing there Brees Hall leaking out to the side and doesn't wait says okay Brees has got space flip him the ball he's able to make a man miss it's 20 yards up the sideline those sorts of plays I thought were were really what kept this offense moving throughout most of the day and the difference 
was that when you had the plays like third and 12, Becton gets beat off the left edge. Zach's able to spin outside away from it. Still not something, still a habit I wish he would get out of um, because not often uh, there's still a chance that he can get dragged down or tripped up or, or that ends up making things worse. But he's able to spin out and avoid this pressure, rolls out to his left, looks back over the middle of the field, tries to throw late over the middle uh, a Cardinal quarterback sin that you shouldn't be doing. But when you have talent like Zach Wilson does, it, it allows you to break the rules a little bit. And he's able to find Garrett Wilson over the middle on third and 12, get the Jets into the red zone, 30-yard pass play. And I believe the very next play is a touchdown to Randall Cobb uh, on a drag wrap. That sort of ability from Zach Wilson to be kind of the the two-sided player where I can play in structure, I can make things happen with my arm, I can be consistent, I can be on time. I can, I'm not holding the ball too long. I'm getting it out to my guys early. I'm letting them run in space and be the efficient quarterback and also go be the kid from BYU that can make a play anywhere on the field and is toying with people at times and go have that sort of play in him too at the same game. I really thought it was a huge development. I, I also loved the confidence in himself and the confidence in his eyes where multiple times in this game we saw him read leverage of defenders who were in good coverage, who were not out of position, were not, you know, completely and totally busted, who are covering their um, covering their people they need to cover as well as they can, but their backs are turned because they're in man coverage and they can't see the ball. And this was BYU Zach. And this is what we talked about again leading up to the draft um, and some of our first earliest episodes. And what I loved about him as a prospect more than anything else was the trust in his arm, trust in his ball placement, and trust in his ability to go, okay, Garrett Wilson, uh, first down play. I believe this was the start of the second half. Uh, he's on the left hash. And just like the touchdown, Rodgers threw him in the preseason. It's just a back shoulder fade where Zach takes the ball off the snap. He's looking at Garrett. It's one-on-one, sees how Garrett is winning. If he's upfield and he's got a step, throw it ahead of him. If he's not, throw it behind, throw it back shoulder. Zach does exactly that. Garrett's able to jump through the defender, make a play 12, 13 yards on first down. He hit two seam throws to Conklin. Same sort of idea. Conklin's covered, but the defender has his back turned. Conklin gives, you know, his head back, head turned back to Zach to say, I'm looking for the ball. I can, you know, make a play on it. Zach says, okay, cool. Got it. Perfect. Throws it high um, up top where Conklin will see it. The defender won't. It's over his head. Conklin's able to make two big plays down the seam for 15, 20 yards apiece. Those sorts of plays are what we loved, again, absolutely loved from this guy when he was in college that we've been begging to see in the NFL and to finally see that um, given the circumstances of this team leading up to uh, leading up to those few weeks, I I thought was really encouraging. I don't know how, you know, how well it's going to bode for the future. I don't know what it's going to say going forward in the next week or time after that or anything or anything else. But from this game in particular, looking just solely at this game against the Houston Texans in the rain with a run game that I will, will get total rushing yards here from running backs had 53 yards on 17 carries in a monsoon to come out, play the way that you did throw for 301 yards, go 27 at 36 have 11.1 yards per attempt. And and win the game thirty to six, I, I thought was a 
an awesome performance from Zach Wilson. And that's all we could have hoped for better than we could have hoped for given everything that had happened before. Uh, there was one other observation I made that, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I saw a lot more motion pre-snap than we've really done throughout the season. And I know we've been one of those teams that really hasn't used motion a lot. And I believe we even mentioned that maybe a couple episodes ago that we want to see more motion. I wonder how much that also impacted uh, Zach and kind of uh, his mentality and getting the ball out quicker because maybe he knows what he's looking at a little quicker. Uh, he can it allowed him to read the defense a little better. Did, was that something that you noticed also? Please tell me. Yeah, no, wrong, definitely. Please. No, you're not wrong at all. No, I, I completely, I completely agree. Um, like you said, we've talked a lot about before how motion is a way to indicate coverage if you're a quarterback where yes, defenses can lie. They can try and, and show things that they aren't doing, but motions at the right times of the right players into the right uh, alignments can really mess with what a defense is trying to do. And they'll be forced to move some of their own players around uh, as a result. That'll give you an indication of what's happening. Or if they don't move anybody and they stay completely static, then you're getting an indication for zone coverage that you're not going to have somebody directly following and trailing this guy. And it's not going to sit there and tell you, okay, exactly what coverage is coming, but it does give you that little hint of, is it man? Is it zone? I also think that there's a good chance, and I don't know if I've seen anybody mention this, and this is why I'm a little hesitant about going forward and saying this is how it's going to be every week for Zach Wilson and everything was clicking. Um, Robert Sala taught D'Amico Ryans this defense that he just faced. And this is the same defense that Zach has been going against in practice for three years. And so I think that there is a, a little bit of familiarity there too to where he's playing a scheme that he has, in essence, more experience playing against at the NFL level than any other scheme he's seen. Sala himself said it in the press conference, where obviously there's slight variations. It's not exactly the same, but the designs are similar. The checks are similar. The calls are named similar things. The, the, the techniques are named similar things. Like it, it a very, very similar defense because it's the same defense that Sala just taught D'Amico Ryans when they were in San Francisco together. So I, I, I'm sure that Zach had a little bit of help reading this defense to be able to, to go to Sala above all people and say, OK, what are the rules? What do they like to do here? You know, where are they going to be keying on me and, and how can we look to attack? I mean, the, the second and 20, he throws a pump fake to Ruckert up the seam on a little tight end wheel route that picks up a first down. He pump fakes the slot defender or linebacker. I don't remember if it was a corner or a linebacker, but someone running in the shallow flat gives them a pump fake, has them go shorter. Ruckert runs behind it and picks up a first down. That's not a play you make unless you are fully confident that one, you have the protection to make that play confident that you have the arm to make that play and confident that you know what the defense is in and that's how you're trying to move people out of the way. That's not a play that we would have ever seen from Zach Wilson at any other point before in his NFL career. And so I'm thinking that there might be that familiarity with the offense might have helped out a little bit too. I mean, I'm curious and it's probably something we'll never know. The amount of input that Sala has on the offensive game plan uh, because, yeah, I, I, I completely agree and with you on the familiarity aspect of it because 
he's probably still scouted himself more than any other uh, uh, defense. So being able to kind of attack his defense is something that he probably knows well. And how much that probably influenced the offensive game plan, we don't know. Uh, but I'm sure it probably influenced it a little bit more. Uh, but now that gets me thinking, as a defensive coach, he knows defenses really well. He, how much does he do that on a, on a week-to-week basis uh, when it comes to forming an offensive game plan? It's, it's just something to think about. And it's also so, just a little surprising in how this kind of transpired. Because, like you said before, this game was a story of two different halves. In the first half, there was barely anything. We saw the first drive where it looked like they were going to do what we wanted them to do and kind of let him drive the ball down the field. Uh, and I believe he even had one, one deep shot that he missed on, but it was still nice to see. Uh, and then they kind of went right back to what, what they do normally uh, after that first drive. And it, the, the most predictable results happened after that. But then, yeah, then the second half, it was like a light switched on. And that's something that we probably were saying before, like, oh, this isn't going to be like a light switch on, like, oh, they're just going to figure out what to do. But it's almost, it seems almost like it was. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, that's the best way to describe it, in the sense that I think they got into that second half, and I'm going to say I hope it was Hackett. I don't think it was Hackett, but I hope it was Hackett had the, the, the mindset to go, okay, screw it. Like we our quarterbacks playing well. He's doing everything he can. Offensive line isn't getting completely and totally smoked. Let's go for broke. You know, we're, we can't run the ball. We can't run block. We've known this for weeks now. Let's just trust Zach to make plays and let him win with his arm. And, and that's exactly what happened. Like I said, I hope that that was Hackett's mindset. I have a feeling it was Zach himself going back there and saying, just give me the damn ball and let me throw it. Like I'm, I, I see it. I know what it is. I'm on it. Like I got it. Let me do it. Let me take over. And then he did. I, I don't, I don't know where that switch came from, but, but it really was a, a major difference where it was no, we're not running on first down anymore. We're calling play action on first down and we're getting 10, 15 yards of play. So I'm, like you said, curious to think about, curious to think about Salah's involvement week to week with the offense and, and how much he has a hand in game planning, um, if at all, really, because we don't really have that much evidence to say that he does. Um, the one thing we can say, and, and this will be kind of my transition looking ahead to this next week against the Dolphins, is the Jets' defense is insane. And mm-hmm. the performance that they had this past week against Houston um, is getting a bit undershadowed because of the performance of Zach Wilson and that being the media narrative and the Jets scored 30 points. That's going to be the talk of, of everybody's minds. This defense had probably their best performance of the season um, against Houston, against the number two passing offense in the NFL coming into this week against a guy who is, was running away with the offensive rookie of the year award with basically no competition. And they made CJ Stroud look like, look like Zach Wilson's early games um, of his career. This was a a smothering from the Jets defense. Um, The performance from the cornerback trio 
uh, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, and Michael Carter. Again, probably their best of the season. I, I mean, they were on top of every rep. There was a couple of plays on the first drive of the game for the Texans. And after that, it was complete and total lights out. And considering Nico Collins, one of the Texans receivers, probably the best one on their roster left after Tank Dell unfortunately hurt his leg and is out for the season. Nico Collins went out himself with an injury early in the game after that first drive. And now you're thinking, okay, the talent of the Jets corners should take over against a depleted receiver room of the Texans. And that's exactly what happened. Completely, that is exactly what happened. The Jets corners were uh, an overwhelming matchup for what Houston was trotting out at receiver at that point. And there was just nowhere to go with the ball. Defensive line did their job getting home, getting pressure. Did a solid job in the run game outside of a few um, a few gashes here and there, but nothing too, uh, nothing too egregious. Absolutely no room in the pass game whatsoever. Completely and totally stymied this offense. And it gives me some hope going into this next week. I'm a lot more hopeful that the Jets defense can repeat this performance than the Jets offense having a repeat performance. And the crazy thing to think about, Matt, is as good as this performance was for the Jets defense, I think they held Stroud to 90-something yards passing in total for the day. Um, they dropped like three interceptions. Mm-hmm, yeah, like like like, they, like it could have been even worse, which is I can't even fathom thinking about. C.J. Mosley drops an interception that hits him in the chest. Sauce Gardner undercuts a deep shot, absolutely perfectly gets both hands on the ball, drops it. Michael Carter the second had a dropped interception. I, I mean, this could have been it, it was thirty to six. It could have been forty five to six if the Jets catch those interceptions. Imagine the the results from this offense if they make those plays, and it's. Not like it was, oh, it was almost a play to be made. It was like, no, the Jets defenders read it perfectly and jumped the route and just dropped the balls. And it's, um, I am blown away that this defense had the performance that they did. I didn't expect them to get blown out. I wasn't expecting, you know, the defense to have a bad performance. But but this was as much of a smothering from a defense to an offense as anybody could have uh, predicted for the Jets to have. Yeah, Here's the thing. I think this is more of the stars aligning for the Jets uh, against the Texans because, like we said, they are one of the biggest, uh, the best uh, passing offenses in the league, and they're missing all the receivers. So that neutered them. And they didn't have a, a they don't really have a rush offense. That's not what they want to do. Uh, and we even mentioned last week, uh, in last week's episode, how that is a big, uh, you know, uh, a bonus for us if we can play into our strengths, which is our past defense, then that's a win on our end or something that we think we could win. So, but then now I look to this week and we're facing a whole different monster here. We're facing the, I'm pretty sure they're the, the second uh, rushing offense uh, in, in the league. I think only behind the Ravens. I think they have the, the highest uh, average per run. I think they have the most rushing touchdowns. Uh, so that kind of goes in the opposite direction of playing to our strengths. That kind of plays right into our week. Uh, so I don't think that the stars are going to align uh, as much as they did against the Texans. No, I think you're, you're completely right about that. I'm not expecting a repeat performance in the exact same vein. 
but I am confident that the Jets passing defense can have a similar outing because that's been a proven fact all season. Uh, If there's one thing we know, it's that this pass defense is for real. This corner trio is for real. And that regardless of who they're playing against, even if they might give up, you know, a couple of plays here and there, for the most part, they're going to do what they need to be doing. The run game is definitely the um, definitely the question. Definitely, definitely the question. The Dolphins are second in the league only to the uh, Baltimore Ravens in rushing yards per game. And their run scheme is, uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago in that past episode, is the most inventive in the NFL besides maybe only the 49ers. And I even think it might give the 49ers a run for their money, uh, to be completely honest. Mike McDaniel's run schemes are incredible with the motions, with the counters, with the amount of people pulling in different directions and the amount of eye candy for a defense to have to look at to where all they're trying to do is just make those defenders hesitate for a quarter of a second, a third of a second for one of their track guys in the backfield being Mostert or A-Chain to get the ball, get a crease and get past them. And after that, you're not catching up. It is incredibly difficult to defend. And if the Jets can defend this run game, then I think that they have a shot to do some damage on defense. Um, I would almost sell out to the run game if I'm the Jets defense. And I would say, I know you're, you're a good passing offense, Miami Dolphins. I know Tua you know, can make quick reads, get the ball out fast. Tyreek and Waddle are dangerous. Agreed, 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 agreed. But if you let this Dolphins team just hand the ball to Mostert and A-Chain 25 times and go for 260 on you on the ground, you're never going to have a chance to win. And you're never going to have the ball enough on offense to even remotely have a shot of putting up enough points to win. So I'd almost rather play feast or famine and and trust Sauce and DJ in one-on-one coverage with Reek and Waddle and say, go win. You, you are the strength of our team. We trust you. Go win. And we're going to stop this run game with everybody else. Matt, I want to hear how you feel about that. Hmm. Well, one saving grace is that I don't believe their top two running backs uh, practiced yesterday. A-Chain and, uh, w- was out with a toe. Uh, and Mo- uh, Mostert was out with a, a knee, but also I think vet rest. So I think that they'll probably be okay. Uh, we'll see how they practice today on Thursday. Uh, so they're they're pretty banged up uh, also uh, on the offensive line. I think Armstead is out uh, or didn't practice yesterday with a knee and an ankle. Uh, you got Hunt, uh, who has a hamstring. Uh, and I believe uh, they lost uh, their their right tackle. If I'm not mistaken, Austin Jackson here. got hurt too. Oh no, sorry, not not Austin Jackson. Uh, their center, uh, 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 Connor, is uh, is down. Oh, for the oh, right, 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 so, right. There's that 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 factor where if you have an offensive line that hasn't worked together uh, all season, kind of meshing, then there's probably going to be some mistakes. And then if you factor in that this is the second game that our defense has against the Dolphins. They've seen this offense before. Uh, we saw what they could do against us in the first game. Now the secret's out. Like, we have the game film. They know how where to improve. And it's really hard in this league to beat a team twice for that very reason. Because now there's no secret. The only thing that kind of goes in our favor is that no, there's only one game of tape 
with of our offense doing what it they did yesterday or last week. Uh, so maybe that is is something that can play into our favor. Uh, but if their offensive line is still hitting on all cylinders, uh, if their running backs are healthy and 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 tearing it up, then it's going to be a long day. Uh, it's definitely going to be a long day. Um, 110% going to be a long day. The offensive line injuries for the Dolphins are really, really interesting because if they're going to be down some bodies, that is going to be a, a major, major advantage for the Jets. Um, not only from a talent perspective, but like you mentioned, the chemistry and the consistency and the communication, those run schemes are hard to execute if everybody's not on the same page. If everyone doesn't know the play and know exactly what their role in that play is and when and how to execute that role, it, it can create more problems than it's going to try and alleviate. And if you have some backup players in who haven't had as much experience playing together, who haven't had that that time to get uh, the timing and consistency down, it could lead to some slower developing plays than normal, some guys getting into the wrong gaps, not quite reading the right person that they're trying to block in the play. And maybe you get some splash plays defensively going against this run game where you're able to shoot some gaps and get some negative, uh, get some tackles for loss. That would be huge. Um, that would be really, really big for the Jets. Offensively, this is where I'm, I'm really kind of skeptical because I think that the Jets offense, if they stick to some of the same ideas and we see some more play action on early downs, we try and get the ball in Conklin's hands up the seam. We trust Garrett Wilson to win on the outside. We get the ball in the hands of Brees Hall in space and not just hand it to him against a nine-man box right up the middle on first down. I think that we can see some similar results, but I'm like we went over, I'm really worried that we're not going to see those same ideas sort of translate. And we're going to go back to, well, let's try and run the ball on early downs. Let's not make the mistake. Our defense just had this suffocating performance and, and they can win the game. And how is that going to look? I'm, I'm really curious to see how that happens. Another part of this game that I'm interested in kind of seeing a uh, adjustment where for a lot of times over the last couple of weeks, Matt, we've given our, this is what they should do. This is what we would do. We don't know if they will sort of takes on breaking down offense and defense. I want to see Zach Wilson as a ball carrier a bit more. Mm. And I know he had the fumble. I, I know it wasn't, you know, holding the ball out too loose, gets knocked away, makes a great play to scramble out of pressure for what it's worth stands in the pocket, doesn't, you know, drift too far back, doesn't run himself into a sack. No, nothing's open, goes, okay, time to run, makes a play, gets out of the pocket, stiff arms a defender that was being blocked by Beckton in the meantime to, to fully clear himself and starts getting upfield and picked up a first down, just gets hit from the side on a rainy day, not the best ball security, ball comes out, it's an issue. Is that a problem for Zach Wilson? Yes, but given the rest of the game he played, given the conditions and the environment, are you willing to live with the fumble a little bit? Yeah, sure. Still an issue that he needs to work on, but I can be a bit more forgiving. Assuming Zach can just learn to to grip the ball tighter, I think you can get some defensive ends that are going to be trying to get downhill and tackle Brees Hall on an early down, and you might be able to sneak Zach Wilson out the back on a read option. And it's a good way to just 
back that defensive line off and maybe create some more space in the run game for guys like Hall when uh, after the game gets on a little bit and you've gotten a couple of big plays with Zach. Yeah, uh, I can definitely see that. Um, it's I've, I've, I'm thinking about all the things that we've called for before. Uh, and then once we've saw a lot of these things implemented, what worked the most? And what has worked even within the, the offense when they weren't doing what we asked them to do? And that makes me look at the run game a lot more. Uh, you said running a lot more with Zach. I'm wholeheartedly on board with that. Uh, but I want to see more two running back sets and have more outside runs uh, and kind of something similar to what the Dolphins do a lot with the, their motions uh, and pulling and deception. I want to see more of that. Let's do the Dolphins game plan because I think that that's something that would kind of work for us a little bit more than especially running it up the middle in nine-man boxes like you, you also mentioned before. Uh, I want to see more motion. I want to see more outside runs. I want to see our speed being used more in speed situations. We have so many Maseratis and Ferraris on this offense, but they so rarely get a chance to show it off. Let's show it off. Let's do it. Let's show that the high-powered offense of the Dolphins is not the only the offense with a bunch of stallions on that can run really fast. We have the same amount of speedsters, if not more, I think. Uh, so we can play a game that's fast. So I'd like to see it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I'm only going to say this one time, because if I talk about this anymore, um, the, the blood vessels on the side of my head are going to start popping out, and I'm going to need to go take a couple Tylenol after we get done recording here. Um, but just let Izzy Abanacanda touch the football. Yeah, really? Like, like just, just, just let him, let alone touch the football, just let him be in on a play and not on the sidelines for the entirety of the game. That's all I want. Let's just, just give this guy an opportunity. That's all I want. Again, can't talk about it any more than that. I, I will have an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> let's get to picks and let's go ahead and wrap this one up. I'll start off here. Um, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic after this Texans game for the Jets. A lot of reasons. Defense played their best game of the season. You're, you know, rele- now relief to the quarterback that was benched to start comes in and plays an excellent game. Your offensive line has their best performance in weeks. You win big, you win 30 to six. You're, you're feeling, you know, you're feeling good. You're riding high. On the other hand, you have the Miami Dolphins who lose a heartbreaker on Monday night against Tennessee Titans. Um, last second Titans score two touchdowns and a minute and 50 seconds or something to, to come back and, and they are able to win late in the game in Miami, even worse at home and on front of national television, you have this collapse. And now with the jets winning and, and the AFC being tight and, and there's all of this speculation are the dolphins vulnerable. Can the jets go on a run? Um, we haven't talked about this at all, Matt, and I'm, I kind of wish we would have done a little bit earlier. So I want to get your opinion real quick on this. Um, I think the Titans beating the Dolphins was the worst thing that could have happened to the Jets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, go for it. They're, um, 
a lot of Dolphins players after that game had said that they had felt a little too comfortable and that they were kind of just in cruise control and they were up two scores and they kind of took their foot off the gas and and that allowed the Titans to kind of come back and and snatch the victory out from under their hands. Uh, Bradley Chubb even gets a penalty in that game um, when the Titans are coming back and they make a big play and he almost is a sack on Levis and then Levis is able to escape and run out and makes a big throw down the field. And Bradley Chubb literally takes his helmet off and slams it into the ground on the field and got a penalty for it. And after the game, he was one of the players that said, you know, we we really lost focus and took our foot off the gas. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again this week. I don't think that you're we're going to catch the Dolphins sleeping. I don't think that this idea that I've seen everyone go, oh, the Dolphins lost. The Dolphins are vulnerable. This is the shot. The Jets just played so well. Um, like Mike McDaniel isn't going to spend this whole entire week going through the entirety of his team saying you have to be on your stuff. We can't afford to do that again. This is a division game. We can drop in the seating. We can go from the first seed now with four weeks to go and and could fall far enough to be the seventh seed or something like that. We have to be on point. We have to be on our P's and Q's. We need to go show the Jets who's boss and think that their one week of riding high against Houston isn't going to become a two week thing and there's not going to be any momentum built there. I would have almost rather have had the Dolphins have that scare of almost losing and then win than lose the way that they did because I just feel like we are going to get the the revenge game taken out on you if you're the Jets. Yeah, a, a refocused Dolphins does worry me. Um, the only thing that I think might put a hold on that is the fact that there are so many injuries. So refocusing gets a lot harder when you don't have the your starters in. Uh, so yeah, it, it worries me a little bit, but I think that it's going to be less of a factor than uh, I, I don't think we're going to have one of the, the best performances of the Dolphins season. I think there's going to be some struggles here and there. Uh, like uh, I, Even though I said that things change for us, like a light switch going on, that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> so I don't think that that team can go from kind of uh, in cruise control to dialed in all the way that quickly, but maybe uh, uh, it's possible. Uh, but I, I, either way, I if when we get back to our picks, I, I don't see us winning. Uh, so I'm going to say that, but I think it will be a much better game than it was uh, the first time we played them. I see it being pretty close, actually. I think our offense is going to have elements of what worked last week. Uh, but in the grand scheme, I think they're going to revert back to their old ways too much, too often. And in the end, that will drag us down. Uh, so I have us pr- losing a close one around about 24-20. Okay, okay. We are, we are very, very close. Um, and I'm going to do something a bit unorthodox because I honest to God can't figure out which way I want to lean for this game. I think there's a very good chance that exactly what you said happens. Dolphins 24-20 offense has some spurts. Dolphins offense has some spurts of their own. Ultimately, talent gap wins out overall and the Dolphins come out on top. 
I could also see a scenario in which the Jets do what the Titans did and are able to come back or maybe they're down early and the Dolphins get lazy again somehow or lose focus or the injuries pile up and it's too much and the Jets are able to take over and get some momentum and maybe the Jets win 24 to 20 or something along those lines. But I'm going to go out on a giant limb and I'm fairly confident this won't be the case. But with how this season has played out, I can never assume, you know, nothing is ever not going to happen. Um, I'm going to call a 24-24 tie. <laughs> okay. I, um, I, I, I don't know why. That's what I'm feeling this week. I'm feeling a 24-24 tie. I just think that both of these teams are in such different spots in so many different ways with so many different factors colliding at once that ultimately it's just going to be the the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object of the Dolphins offense and the Jets defense. And I think that Zerline will kick a few field goals and get things even and we'll go to overtime and have no victor. 24-24 tie. Uh, you know what? I, As unlikely as that is, it would be a very Jets result. Uh, uh, it definitely would be. They have a way of just bringing out like the, the most improbable things happening. Uh, so yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I, again, um, I'm would certainly hope that the Jets can win this game, but at, at, at the entire time throughout this episode, I've been thinking of my score prediction, and I just kept coming back to what if they freaking tie? <laughs> what what if this what if this game ends in a tie? What if in the most Jets way possible, all of the hype of are they going to lose? Are they going to be able to take a win? calculating playoff seeding of thinking the Jets are still alive if they win out and, and what happens with the Dolphins and all of it's going to be useless because it's just going to be a tie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, instead of yeah being hopeful or being uh, upset, we'll just be confused. <laughs> and we'll, yep. we won't know how to feel. Yeah. Yep. Confused and not knowing how to feel. If that is not the life of a Jets fan, I don't know what is. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Matt, let the people know where they can find you. We can go on and get out of here. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jeff. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Thank you all so much for stopping by. And we will be back next week to finish off the end of the season. Just four more games after uh, we get done recording here with Miami Dolphins included. Three games following the Dolphins game on Sunday. The season is almost over. It is very sad to say, but we are not done. Off season coming up soon. Draft, free agency, all of that fun stuff coming very, very shortly. Thank you all one more time for tuning in, and we will be back soon. Bye-bye.